Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Give a warm Bethel Atlanta. Welcome to Rachel Coons. just generous. Now you guys are wondering who's my, in my line, aren't you? Yeah, I'm not going to tell you. Let your imagination just go. It's awesome. <laughs> well, how are you guys doing? Is everybody doing well? Ready and happy and just loving Jesus and ready for Jesus to do a good thing in you? Yes. Well, then say it. Jesus! We want you to do a good thing in us! Jesus, thank you, sir. Thank you. You know, he's an easy one to love. He really is. Uh, We finally just, I worked up the courage to see the shack. My precious husband's so sweet. He waited with me. He wanted to see it right away, but it, it takes me a second. I had to really, like, work up the courage. So we sat there, and I thought, man, they really captured Jesus. He's an easy one to love. I was thinking that the whole time. I'm like, man, that, that's such a, you're so easy to love. You're the one that's like, hey, come on, let's go run on the water. And I just, I just loved it. But he's just an easy one to love. And, you know, I was thinking about him always. But last week I was thinking about him. This, this brilliant, this truth came to me. Judith Byron, hello. I love this person. Oh, I'm glad you're here. But, you know, Jesus, in his perfection, um, so I don't know if he ever had like a fear of failure. He had never tasted and seen that that stuff is awful. But so just, just perfect, um, he couldn't have possibly been afraid of failing because he had no sin and he was wonderful and, and brilliant and, and excellent. Just Jesus, Jesus, a God-made man, he still spent 30 years of his life basically not saying much. I mean, the little bit that we know about him didn't come from his own mouth. He didn't open up his mouth and minister until he recognized this beautiful person of the Holy Spirit. He didn't think about, like, if ministry were here, he was like, yeah, I'm not stepping into you until the Holy Spirit, until this Holy Spirit comes and sits on my shoulder, until I have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Perfect Jesus didn't think about ministering without the Holy Spirit. That's wonderful. So I don't think we should either. So let's just recognize, you you know, of, of all the things anybody could say and all the beautiful things that are said and all the preachers in the world and the people sharing truth, there's not a bigger truth than, you guys, this is real. He's real. The Holy Spirit is real. All this singing and worshiping we do is to a real person, and he's here. Jesus is real. It's, it's actually happening. God is real. He's here. The Holy Spirit is here. 
And he's so wonderful and humble that he really waits on us to notice. So I think we should always notice and we should practice noticing even right now. So you guys, hands in the air with me, please. And let's just acknowledge this beautiful Holy Spirit that doesn't leave us, it doesn't forsake us. This beautiful Holy Spirit who is with us, the friend, the friend, this beautiful friend, turn all of your affection towards him. Let's just, let's, let's just give him attention in the language that he's given us. Sir, we recognize you. Thank you, thank you, sir. Living water, the spring, you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, the friend, the friend, the friend, the friend. Thank you, sir. We turn our affections towards you. Sir, do what you'd like to do. Do what you'd like to do. Holy Spirit, we recognize you. Sir, heighten our awareness of you. Open our ears to you. Open our eyes to you. You know, if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you really need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You absolutely do. I think it was our youth pastor, David Murray, had an illustration today that I love that, you know, when it's Christmas and there are presents under the trees and your name is on them, you don't leave them on there unopened. Nobody does that. Nobody does that. Your kids are like getting you out of bed at four o'clock in the morning. It's Christmas! They've got their presents there. I mean, nobody leaves presents under the tree. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a, is a present that we should not leave unopened. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I just encourage you, um, get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can do that tonight. Can you catch somebody after service? Our prayer team can lead you in that, but... Um, he's, he's wonderful. He's so wonderful. He's so real and he's so, you can, you can just feel him all the time and hear him all the time and, and have this constant, wonderful companion and comfort to be comforted all the time. Comfort never leaves you and never forsakes you ever. And to be able to tap into him, we need him. So Holy Spirit, thank you, sir. We just acknowledge you, sir. And then, of course, we are going to gaze on Jesus. Um, so we've been teaching on servanthood and serving. So, of course, we're going to gaze on Jesus. My goodness. The servant of all servants, the voluntary servant, the servant who serves with all of his heart, the servant who, who literally is dying to serve, literally loved us so much to the point of death, servant. So we're just gonna take some time. We're gonna gaze on Jesus and look on Jesus. And you know, um, you become like Jesus when you do that. I become like Jesus when I see him. And it's because we're cut from his cloth. We're just made like him. And so when we see him, um, our, our whole everything cries out and says, that's me, that's for me. So we're just gonna... We're just going to be looking at Jesus. So let's look in John 13 and, and talking about servanthood. Looking in John 13. Is this John 13? No, this is John 13. Okay. So this is 
right before Jesus went to the cross. So everything he says is super duper valuable, of course. But um, I love, I, I can't help but think that this ministry, boy, I was just listening. <laughs> I was listening on my phone. I just, I was listening to this and then I just let it go while I was getting ready tonight. Man, he got fiery. The rest of John is like, woo! I mean, he, right before he went to the cross, he was like downloading stuff. I mean, he is like letting everybody know this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. And this is one of those times that just really deserves our, our beautiful attention. So in John 13, the Bible says, Jesus knew the Father had put him in complete charge of everything, that he came from God and was on his way back to God. So again, uh, we can all go home. We can stop there. That's the heart of serving. <laughs> he knew I'm from God and I'm going back to God and, and I'm in charge of everything. The Lord has, he's given me dominion. He's left me to manage this thing. And then we serve from there. So he got up from the supper table, set aside his robe and put on an apron. So the king of all of everything takes his kingly robes off and he grabs an apron. <laughs> Let's just, you know what? Our, we need, we could spend more time in our imaginations. The Lord asked me to break that word down one time. He was just ministering to me about imagination. And he just said, Rachel, break that word down. And I was like, break that word down. Imagination, imagination, image nation, image nation, a nation of images. And he started ministering to me about my imagination, this nation of images. I'm a, I'm a nation to myself. And everything I do, think, feel, hear goes through the images I've got in my, in my brain, my imagination. And so let's, let's let the Lord affect our image nation. Let's let him change these images in our mind and be different. It really is that simple. So let's just see Jesus. You guys close your eyes with me. Let's just see Jesus there at the Last Supper. He takes off his robes. He goes and he gets an apron and he starts to lean down at his disciples' feet and he wants to wash their feet. And he comes to Peter that I love. I love Peter. I love Peter, bold, fiery Peter. Comes to Peter and of course it's Peter that says, no, there's no way the God of the universe is gonna wash my feet. And Jesus, I can see him just reminding me, my, 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 my king robes are off and I have my, my servant's apron on. Let me wash your feet. And Peter protests. And he just tells him, Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, we can't be doing the same thing. We can't be together. Let me read the words exactly. You don't understand now what I'm doing, but it will be clear enough to you later. Peter persisted, you're not gonna wash my feet ever. Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you can't be part of what I'm doing. So what I feel like the Lord asked me to recognize tonight, to uncover is this. Jesus is a servant. He wants to serve us. And it's the start of everything. And he's a beautiful servant. And I want to 
bring attention to this place on the inside of us, our Eden, our quiet place, our place that Psalms 91 is talking about, on the inside of us, that we cultivate a place where Jesus can come and do what he would like to do, where he can come and wash our feet, where he can come and say, hey, I see what's happening in your heart. Let me give you what I've got. Hey, I can see what's happening in your body. Let me give you what I've got. Let me, you know, I love the scripture that we, that we, it so comes up around Bethel so much and I'm so thankful for it, that just like Jesus is in heaven, so are we on this planet. He shares everything. He is so generous to the point of him saying, you're just like me. If I've got it, you've got it. So I felt like Jesus just wanted to serve us and I felt like he wanted to either create a place or, or really stir up a place on the inside of us between, a personal place between us where he can always come and take his king's robes off and get his apron and serve us. Because, you know, if it's, it, it's a, a universal truth. If you've been served well, you can serve well. It'll be completely on accident, our serving the Lord, our serving each other when we have been served by a king that takes his robes off and wants to wash our feet and wash our hearts and wash our minds and, and fill us up and tell us what he sees that we don't see. So let's just let him do that. I had a, a couple of words that I, um, that I just, again, I felt like Jesus just wanted to serve and... and <laughs> Let him be who he is. He's this beautiful, humble, I'm happy to serve. I'm happy to take my robes off God. So is there a, is there a Terry in here or a Terrence? A Terry or a Terrence? Anybody? No? Terry or Terrence, how are you doing? Good. I'm glad you're here. Are you visiting? Okay. Um, are you in creative things at all? Do you write? No, nothing that you've ever loved? Huh? Are you thinking about something that needs to be written down? Okay. I feel like you've got a story. And I, it might be a fiction story, but I think it, is, it deals with a bunch of your life, like you've woven it in there. And um, it's a good story. And I felt like the Lord knit you together in your mother's womb. He was thinking about this. Like it was for such a time as this that it's the time to, um, let, to develop that thing. He'd like for you to write it down and get it down. And it's super helpful and it's beautiful. And it'll be in the making of you. Like this process that he'd like for you to go through with him is the real making of you. But uh, he's going to give you ability to write. Like the thing, whatever it is that you're thinking that's kicking around in there, he likes it. And he wants to uncover an ability to write that he gave you in your mother's womb. And so get it down or take a class or spend time with Jesus. Let him, let him uncover that thing. But you're a writer, man. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, we had a, a Joanne in first, there was a Joanne in first service and it was helpful to her. She was, she didn't want to um, raise her hand, but so we have the Joanne. Is there an Anna in here, an Anna or an Anna? Anna, Anna, anybody? Okay, I can save that. 
Anybody with Anna in their name? Andriana, Avriana. No Annas? You have your daughter. Well, Avriana. You know what? Let's give this word to Avriana. I felt like there's, she's been a, in a cocoon for a real uh, specific, it, it was on purpose. It was beautiful like a cocoon, like a little, a little worm would go into a cocoon and spend time. But it was, you know, she's coming out a butterfly and it's time. And the Lord wants to put her on display. Like the beautiful thing that he's doing in her is for people to see for sure. And it might have to do with speaking, but, um, but it is, she is coming out of the cocoon for absolute for sure. And it's, it's so we can see her so people can see her and be blessed. Okay. Is there a Tom here, a Thomas, red shirt? No. Tom, well, are you wearing red, Tom? <laughs> it's you, man, it's you. Okay, Tom. Well, Tom, okay. Um, this, is a, this is a cool word. You want this word? You want this word? <laughs> yes. Um, so in, the Lord gave me a scripture. It was in Matthew 27, 34. It's when Jesus is hanging on the cross and he was in pain and it was actual real pain. And I felt like the Lord wanted to validate your pain that it is painful um, that there's some sort of pain going on. And the Roman centurions offered him wine that had gall in it. And gall was a painkiller. And it was bitter. And Jesus turned it down. He turned the bitterness down. Because he knew that that pain was productive. He knew that that was going somewhere. He wanted to stay in the pain. And experience the pain. Because on the other side of that is, is us. I mean, his reward was ginormous. And when he was offered a painkiller, which was bitterness, which we know is counterfeit. I mean, that bitterness, we just need to stay away from it. But pain is productive. And um, he just, he turned away the bitter cup. And he is giving you the ability, just turn away the bitter cup. This is productive. It's a productive season. It's going somewhere. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, I feel like people had knee issues that Jesus was wanting to come and he wants to put his, his servant thing on, his servant apron on and heal knees. Is anybody having trouble with knees? Like, was there a knee surgery? Would there have been less? Okay. So a knee surgery and it was not profitable in the long run or just trouble with knees? Okay. Okay, you guys keep your hands up and would y'all put your hands on them? Everybody around them, put your hands on them. And we say, as Jesus' knees are in heaven, so are your knees right now. You get new knees. And they're not any old knees. They're Jesus' knees. So we say, Jesus' knees. In the name of Jesus, we say, Jesus' knees. Brand new, beautiful, good grief. Those are eternal knees, people. We have the knees of an eternal awesome, awesomeness. Father, we bless their knees. In Jesus' name, we bless their knees. I speak any pain in, that, in all those knees, and I command it to, to leave immediately in Jesus' name. Those are brand new knees. Father, I thank you. Sir, thank you. Thank you, sir. Jesus, thank you. We love you, sir. We love all these new knees, sir. Thank you. Your generosity is wonderful. Father, thank you for your sharing. Thank you, sir. 
Yay, Lord. Yay, Jesus. Sir, thanks. You know, it, in the world, in the scheme of things, when you have power in the natural world, you use that power to get what you want. That's what power is for. That power is to make other people do what you want them to do. But you lord that power over them, boy, and you. It is only in the kingdom. And it's only with Jesus and in the truth realm and the reality realm and the eternity past and eternity forward realm. So the only real realm. Power is used to serve. God, I mean, think, think with me again. Use your imagination. Let it be totally affected. But think with me. When there was nothing, I love Genesis as my favorite ever. Think with me when there was nothing, like in the message it says that there was like brown soup or something. I mean, there was just nothing wonderful at all. And, and God, except for God, and I just wonder how long he spent imagining eyelashes and earlobes and colors. And I wonder how long, because there was none of that. There were no pockets. There were no toenails. There were no walls, there were no trees, there were no, there was nothing, there was just nothing. It was a big bunch of nothing. And he spent an eternity past just imagining, using his nation of images, just imagining, oh, I could do this, I could do this, I could make grass, I could make water. I mean, he just, he's just imagining, imagining, imagining. Why? Because he had something to give. He just had it to give. He did not have to do it. There was no gun at his, there were no guns. There was nothing. There was no motivation for him to do it. I was going to say there's no gun at his back, but literally, I mean. He, he just had all of this power and he wanted to do something wonderful with it. He just had all of these abilities and he wanted to serve. So he made us. We are a, a result of the Lord's imagination and his heart just to give. He did not have to do this. That's an amazing thought. He was literally only compelled by, because I got, because I can, and I want to do it, and I want it to be good, and I've got goodness to share. I mean, I'm going to have to make somebody to share it with. I, it's a wonderful thing about him. It's a, we are cut from that cloth. And that's what I would say is honestly, the heart of the most pure servanthood is, I got something to give. I just, I have it. I just want to. I, I've been so well taken care of. I've been so loved. Nobody has ever been as nice to me as Jesus has been to me. Nobody has ever been that nice. And everybody's real nice. Nobody, nobody has doted on, nobody but maybe Kevin has, has told me, you know, look away from me. You make eye contact and, and I can't stand it. Nobody is in 24 hour, seven days a week, full celebration over me. Why would I not serve him? Nobody is singing songs over me 24 hours a day all the time. Nobody is... Is, is only identifies me by my strengths and it doesn't have a problem with my weaknesses. He's like, I like your weaknesses. I think your weaknesses are, matter of fact, I had this beautiful vision and he used this to teach me that because I genuinely did not know it. I used to really hate my weaknesses, like really struggle with them. <laughs> Lots of not good self-talk about the weaknesses. And um, the Lord one time 
showed me this stage and we're, we're entertainment performer people and love, love all that. So it was a love language, but um, showed me this stage and it was the most beautiful stage I had ever seen. I mean, just this glorious stage, more wonderful than anything I'd ever seen with my natural eyes and, and these booths along the side that, I mean, carved, beautiful, ornate woodwork, gold woodwork, and the, the curtain on this stage was thick and wonderful. And it was this bright, beautiful red. And I mean, I was smitten by the beauty of this theater, by this room, by this stage. And I'm just effervescing, telling the Lord, Oh my gosh, what, what am I looking at? This is wonderful. And I'm just caught up in the gorgeousness of this stage and finally ask him, he's not saying anything and I notice. And I finally ask, what is this stage? And he goes, oh, jubilantly and happy, like always this boisterous man voice. He goes, that's your weakness. totally came to man it was a it was a it was a strong vision because I'm telling you if I, that didn't snap me out of it I was like what in the world are you talking about and he started just telling me I love your weaknesses I think I love your weaknesses and then all of a sudden I see out of the wings Jesus comes out and he is dancing which who in here has seen Jesus dance I've learned that people other people have seen Jesus dance and um, it is wild. I told him then, I understand now how David danced till his clothes fell off. I was like, oh, well, there you go. It was wonderful and masculine and strong and vibrant and wild. And he just started dancing on my weakness, in my weakness, and these the stadium or the theater was filled and people, this riotous applause started coming out. I mean, like this wild praise for Jesus who was dancing in my weakness. It was a corner turner. It was an absolute corner turner. So anyway, back to, back to John 13. I love this, this picture that he, he gives us of, you know, unless I wash your feet, and let, unless you let me come wash your feet, he flat out tells him, um... You're not going to wash my feet ever. And he says, if you don't let me wash your feet, you can't be a part of what I'm doing. So we need to cultivate a real inner world, a real lifestyle with Jesus where he is washing our feet and, and just intending to us and nurturing us and taking care of us. I mean, we need to remember we're his children. We can't ever forget we are his children. It's a happy thing to take care of your kids. It is a happy thing to have what they need. Like it gives you great joy when you, you're like, I have got what you need. I can get it to you. And we just, we, we should never deny him the pleasure and never deny him the joy of just taking good care of us, pouring into us, and then understanding it's natural to go and do it again, to be treated, to treat people the way you've been treated. Let's look at Jesus too in John 3. John 3. I love this story. This is this, the story of the woman at the well. 
I love this story. I love this story. I love this story. If, if you look at the map that where they were headed, um, this well was out of the way. So Jesus took his disciples and they went way out of the way to get to this well to this lady. And it was noon time in the Middle East. So it was like the surface of the sun. And, and he, is it John 4? Thanks, babe. John 4. John 4. I love this story in John 4. <laughs> Better than I like it in John 3. But, but um, so he goes way out of his way. He's hot, he's hungry, and he's tired. And we know that he's super tired because he actually sent his disciples to go get him something to eat. So he's sitting there at the well, and this, this lady comes out. And it's in the heat of the day. They commentary say that ladies usually went in the morning just to avoid the heat, but she was going to the heat of the day. So it was probably because she was wrapped up in a lifestyle that was not awesome. And she was embarrassed about it. So she had had five, you guys know the story. She was living with somebody who wasn't her husband and she had had five husbands. And she walks up to the well and Jesus says, hey, will you get me something to drink? Well, she's shocked because he's a Jewish man. And she's a Samaritan woman, which was unheard of the day. So again, the implications there, Jesus, wow. Like he started something there. I mean, it's, it's been 2,000 something years and we are eating the fruit from what he started then. I mean, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. You talk about breaking down walls. Anyway, so he's talking to this gal and he asked her to get him something to drink. She says, uh, she's shocked. And then... He says to her, if you knew who I was, we should read this and how generous my father is. Let's see. How come you, a Jew, this is her, how come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days, this is commentary, wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the generosity of God, I love that. Let's not ever get out of the generosity of God. Let's not ever think outside of that. Let's stay inside that God is generous. That he, again, he could do anything he wanted to do and he wants to share. That's great. That's awesome. He, what do you want to do? I want to completely empower you and make you just like me. Oh, well, let's do what you want to do. And that's wonderful. <laughs> that's awesome. That is, that's wonderful. Jesus answered, and he knew the generosity of God, and who I am, you would ask me for a drink and I would give you fresh living water. The woman said, sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with and this well is deep. So how are you going to get living water? Are you better than our ancestors, Jacob? <laughs> Jesus, he's like, yes, actually. <laughs> actually, she's just quiet, I appreciate him who dug this well and drank from it, he and his sons and livestock and passed down to us, Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Mm. Anyone who drinks the water I give them will never thirst, not ever. The water I give them will be an artesian spring within gushing fountains of endless life. No one can do that but Jesus. We need to let him do that. We need to let him do that all the time. We need to let him fill us, and then we need to let him fill us. Then we need to let him fill us. 
We need to let him give us a drink. We need to let him give us a drink. We need to get in the good habit and cultivate a life where Jesus is just providing the drinks. You know, the, the real Christian life, and again, I, I feel like it would be helpful if it were said lots more just in Christendom. But the whole Christian life really hinges on receiving because we don't have anything and he has everything. He's, he's wonderful and wants to share. So we really can only serve or perform according to what we have already received. When we look around and we see measure, a lot of times we're thinking not what is actually going on, but really what's going on, some people have learned to receive more and so they have more. But Jesus has given the same measure to all of us. He's not picking and choosing who he's going to bless. He is not picking and choosing who he's going to heal. Bring it on. You might be. You think that. But he's not picking and choosing who he's going to heal. He does not heal one person and not heal another. That is not like him. We just have, we need to get it down deep in our soul. Certain things are just not like him, and so we need to quit messing with the thought. Jesus just has, you know, when he rose from the dead, he just got it out there. It's like, it's like this awesome river that's going in creation now, and we learn to go and get in it. He's not doling stuff out. He just gave with no measure to all of us and was so generous that he gave with no measure and put it on the inside of us and we learn how to receive. We learn how to open up. We learn how to think differently. We, we learn how to let Jesus love on us and it makes us happy and healthy. So... He's talking about this, this wonderful spring. And he, you know, which again is a beautiful truth and we need to get hold of it. So the disciples come back and they come back with food and Jesus is not hungry. I love this. He, and he hasn't eaten anything, but he's not hungry. And when they say, well, why are you hungry? Like, well, you know, obviously confused. We went into town. You were hungry when we left you. What have you been eating? And you know the famous answer. I have food to eat that you don't know about, and it's doing the will of my Father. It's serving. It fills me up, and I'm, I'm happy as a clam. It was his, kind of his answer. But what I want us to see is him, he, she took from him, and he got full. <laughs> he likes it. He loves it. He's a tree of life. He likes it when we come and pick the fruit. He gets better. He gets stronger. He gets happier when his children come and say, feed me. And he's like, I got your food. He, he was full because he was serving her. That is beautiful. Can we open up our our hearts and our minds for more room for Jesus to come and just do what he wants to do? To be who he is. To be this generous, beautiful God that wants to meet every single need. I love what Dan was saying about needs. 
That is so super helpful, and it is true. He's provided so much, and he's thought so much ahead. He's already met any possible need we could have, and not just for us, but everybody that comes forward. I mean, he just, he's, he has done it. But when we're walking that out, and when we're standing with something in our hands about, Father, I, it, this looks so much like a need. You know, we know, and we're all, we're walking this out with him. I want you to know he loves that. That is so valuable to him. He holds our needs so dear to his heart. He runs to him. They're like magnets to Jesus. They are like magnets. What, what we need is like a magnet on his, it's like a draw on all of his resource. We should just draw and draw and draw. And then think bigger and then draw and draw and draw. And then think bigger and then eat more and then eat more and then eat more. You know, one time I was, it's about three years ago. And it's so funny. It's about when the Lord started, I was thinking about this during worship. It's when the Lord started turning my attention to this and showing me this um, perspective that I'm talking to you about now. And it, it was a wild year. It was a booger of a year. I don't remember exactly what was going on, except for that was a really hard year. So it could have been a number of crazy things. And I was just worshiping my way through it. I just thought, I am going to worship my way through this with you. Like, I understand you don't leave and forsake me, but I understand my tendency to leave and forsake you. So I'm not going to do it. I am sticking with you. You got all the air. I am on your side, Lord. And I am just worshiping through, you know, whatever it was going on. And I, I love that I can't remember what was going on, honestly. But um, he showed me, he gave me a vision, and he showed me in the middle of these two craggy, really dark, scary, like a walking through, what would you call it? There's rocks on either side, dark. And I could hear really scary snarling <laughs> and like see eyes, like glowing eyes, and they were growling at me. And I was there by myself. And so I immediately, I'm like, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, help, help, you know. And I don't see him, which of course is not even biblical. So I'm thinking, what, you know, where is Jesus in this? And um, the snarling gets louder, the growling gets louder, and I start to get alarmed and using all my deliverance scriptures, and I start going after it, and nothing is happening, and the situation is getting worse, and I am getting more afraid and more afraid and more afraid, and that I am about to be harmed, like harm is about to come to me. And I look off in the distance and I see Jesus and he's sauntering. <laughs> like he's literally strolling. <laughs> like he is taking his time and I'm all, oh, come on. Like, you know, I can just feel fear rising. And you know, it's, it's like to hear at this point, I'm like, Jesus, help, help. And, but he's sauntering, he's sauntering. And the closer he gets to me, he's walking towards me. And I'm not taking my eyes off of him at this point because, you know, I'm scared and, and I, I'm not taking my eyes off of him, not taking my eyes off. And the closer he gets, I see that he's holding something. And the closer he gets, I start focusing on that. I see he's got a picnic basket and a blanket. And he's still sauntering. And he walks, he, he, he catches vision when he gets where he can hear me, about from here to there. And he's like, hey, how's it going? And I'm like, I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm just thinking, I am confused thoroughly at this point. He walks up with his picnic basket and he, 
and his blanket and he spreads this blanket and he puts his picnic basket down and he sits down and, and the snarling is going on still. It has not stopped. And the eyes are, they're terrible. And he's, he starts to get food out of his basket and he starts to set places for us. And of course, you know how you just can't even take your eyes off of him. And so at this point, I really am just focused on him. But he come, he, when he gets everything done, and again, taking his time, he gets everything done, he says, hey, come sit here with me. I want you to tell me how much you love me. I'm gonna tell you how much I love you. I'm gonna adore you. I'm gonna fall all over you. I'm gonna tell you how, I, he just went on and on and on. We're gonna have communion here. We're gonna have a meal, and I'm gonna teach you how to stay, and fear will go. And immediately, I'm wide awake, I'm in worship, and immediately I think, you make a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and that's where I do my best. Oh, Jesus. Beautiful and wonderful. Our Jesus, he wanted, let me come and serve you here. Let me come and build you up. Let me come and love on you. Let's make this our place. Why don't you have a place? Why don't you make this your place where you just come and I just love on you, give you every single thing that you need, give you things that you don't need, give you some, overflow you to the point that you're spilling out on folks. How about that? What, what a beautiful, good heart for serving. What a pure heart for serving. Instead of that, I'm trying to get something from God. Listen, we don't have to try to get something from him. He gave it before we even knew that we wanted to get it. He thought ahead. He's the, he's the alpha here. He's the one that started it. We need to learn to eat and eat and eat and eat. So let's see, where are in the woman that well? He liked it. He thought that was awesome. He got stronger. Let's turn over to Philippians 2, which is absolutely amazing. I have been pouring over the scripture for two years. It literally has been our Christmas card for two years, I think. I'm pretty sure. If I didn't do it twice, I wanted it to do it twice. Oh, Philippians. Philippians 2, and again, this is, again, I just want to remind us on, along the lines of where we serve from, because even lost people figure out that the only life worth living is a life of servanthood. You don't even have to be saved to figure out that human beings work really well when they're thinking about other people and serving other people. I mean, I am so curious. I need to see, I'd like to see some statistics about what charities, how much of that money comes from the super duper wealthy that have got it all in, you know, they've got it all, 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 and they have nothing and they figure it out. Oh, it's in serving people. That will fill me up like Jesus. That's what's going to make me, okay, okay, God, I'm going to serve. I'm going to meet the need. I'm going to meet the need. I'm going to meet the need. So in Philippians 2, the Bible says, think of yourselves the way Jesus thought of himself. Who does not want to think of themselves the way Jesus thought of himself? Is there any of us? No. Let's think of ourselves the way Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but did not think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantage of that status no matter what. You know, um, 
it takes a lot of confidence to serve in a lot of areas, actually, if you want to look at it that way. Um, in Philippians, he had everything. I mean, he, he was there when everything was being made, when God was in his brainstorming stages. He, he was there. And he was like, I, I'm not going to consider that too much to come down here, become a human being, his own creation, and be a baby in utero, a baby, the most helpless, can't feed themselves, can't take care of themselves, baby. Listen, just getting here, if I had a choice, I might have decided against it. That is a wild trip into the world. And he, I mean, that's a, that is a, it's an experience. And Jesus knew that and looked at it and said, yeah, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to. And he was born into baby hunting parties. He was being hunted like an animal. But his heart to serve his father and his heart to serve us and fill us up when we were completely empty and save the whole human race and get this thing back on track from the God being thrown under the bus in Eden. He was like, yeah, it's worth it to me. He did not consider it. He didn't cling to the advantages of that status no matter, no matter what, not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. There is something there. I need to really study that out. That's a synonym, slave and human. You know, so far, what I'm thinking is, you know, because slavery is not a God invention at all. It's a, it's a man-made thing because, again, if man gets power, they say, oh, I'm using my power to make you do what I want you to do. When God has power, he says, no, I'm going to use my power to make you just like me. I'll build you up, and I'll give you everything that I have. But so what I'm thinking, this had to come about in the, the garden when Eve decided, you know, there was something God was withholding from her. That's a sneaky thought. Like, we need to watch that whole attitude. The, the whole fall happened because you know, the enemy came along and said, hey, he's keeping something from you. And she, it scared her and she believed it, which is not great, but she believed it about somebody who gave her no reason to think that. God had only been generous and wonderful and awesome, but she still unplugged from limitless resource and plugged into herself, which is a very limited resource. So at that point, and then, then she shared it with Adam, and Adam at that point, I'm thinking, just didn't want to be disconnected from Eve. So he unplugged and connected to her. So I can see there being made, you know, she made herself a slave to herself, which is what Jesus comes to free us from, and then a slave to others, which is what Jesus sets us free from ourselves, and he sets us free from others. Does that make sense? So anyway, here we hit, this system has been you know, brainstormed by human beings. <laughs> and he doesn't think that he's getting gypped to give up the Godhead to come into that awful system and totally redeem it and make it beautiful. He literally redeemed, like he came to our lowest, lowest that we had ever gotten. And he was like, okay, I'll become that. Yeah, I'm happy to become that. I can serve them that way. I've got that to give. Yeah, I can serve my father that way. I've got that to give. Guys, what an example. What a heart of, of 
servanthood. Having become human, Jesus stayed human. Whole different awesome topic. That was not a 33-year deal he made with God. He, he's like us. It was an incredible humbling process. I'm sure it was. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death and the worst kind of death, crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God lifted him high and honored him far beyond anyone or anything ever so that all created beings in heaven and earth, even those long ago dead and buried, will bow in worship before, the, before Jesus and call out in praise that he is the master of all to the glorious honor of God the Father. So in closing, in our serving, let's serve from a place from I've been so loved, I've been so taken care of. I'm just gonna spill out on you and we're gonna call that servanthood. I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna spend time to hear my Jesus telling me that he adores me and that I am something special. I'm gonna take time to let him tell me all day long, every day, there is nobody like you. I broke the mold when I made you. You are my favorite. <laughs> Let's hear it. Let's hear it all day long. Let that pour over on folks and we will just call that servanthood and serving each other. Yes? I love you guys. You're blessed. Woohoo! Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.